Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Last week, we talked about the first hide-and-seek game that was found in Genesis with uh, Adam and Eve and the shame that entered the garden, and we talked about shame, and we said that you cannot cannot make shame go away by behaving differently. You have to believe differently. We also said, let Jesus take away the guilt and shame that you're carrying. Um, I've had several conversations this week that subject. So today it's a little bit different because last week it was talking about where we can hide from God. Today is God hiding from us. Now it's not so much where God hides from us like seek me and you will find me. We'll talk about that next week. The main idea that I want us to get as we walk through these scriptures is this, is that God's promise is to never leave us or forsake us, but he will teach us, he will rebuke us, and he will discipline us because he loves us. This is not a popular subject, I guarantee you that. There may be more questions than I answer. Uh, If they're real difficult questions, that's Kevin at horizonweb.org, but 2 Timothy 3, 16 17 says this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Teaching. For what? Rebuking. For what? Correcting. For what? Training in righteousness. So that the man of God, the woman of God, all people of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so... I want you to turn to your right and say this. This might be a tough day for you. Just say it to the person on your right. Now turn to your left and say, this might be a tough day for me. Um, You can't read through the Psalms before you quickly come up to a statement which David makes over and over and over and over and over again in Psalms. Psalms 13.1 says this, How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I'm sure there are many here. How many of us have said that or felt that? Where we have felt God distanced. And when... When we went through the series of John the Baptist, we talked about a desert, and sometimes we go through deserts where God seems far, far away. Today's not about that. Today's not about where it seems God is silent. Because God's always here. He's always present. He's always around us. But there's a place where God will turn his face from us. Job, in the book of Job, you have all his friends just bagging on him, and this is why you're going through this, this is why all this is taken from you. And one of his friends said something, and part of Job's response is found in Job 34, 21 through 22. This is what Job says, his eyes are always on men. He sees their every step. 
There is no dark place, no deep shadow where evildoers can hide. I mean, I think we'd all agree to that, even though we sometimes don't want to, that God sees everything. There's not a thing we do that he is not aware of. We can fool our spouses, our kids, our work. Our, I mean, we can fool a lot of people, but we cannot hide from God. In verse 29 says, it continues, it says, but if he remains silent, who can condemn him? If he hides his face, who can see him? Yet he is over all men and nations. There's two different things there. He remains silent that God can remain silent, but then God can also hide his face, and those are two different things. Job, in the amp this passage in the Amplified Version, says this, when he gives quietness, which means peace and security from oppression, he's silent, you may not hear him, but he's at work around you constantly. I mean, there are those times you know he hasn't left you, but he's, Answer this prayer. Please step in and do this. I mean, how many of you have been praying for things, just waiting for God to, to answer, to give some semblance of hope, to give some, hey, I'm here, and you're waiting, and God has remained silent. And I'm not saying, I mean, it's not that he won't answer. There are times when God is silent, and that's when we continue to seek him. That's why we said when you're walking through a desert, and you're feeling the first rule of walking in a desert is not to stop. You keep walking. But this passage, when it talks about turning your face from me, there's a difference between the silence of God and turning God's face away. Job 34, 29 again. When he hides his face, when he withdraws his favor and help. That's why I like the Amplified Version. It kind of defines things for you. When he hides his face, when he withdraws his favor and help. Guys, there are times when God will turn his face from us. That's true of people, that's true of believers, that's true of nations. Where God will withdraw his sense of presence, his sense of help, his sense of favor to us. And that strikes against, oh, we just got done singing, nothing can separate me from God. Guys, there's one thing missing in that list. Sin. I have forgiveness in Christ because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. My sins, I've asked for forgiveness for, and that's past and present that are coming. But if I choose to sin and live in disobedience, not I'm not talking about the person who sins and asks for forgiveness. I'm talking about someone who is choosing to not live in obedience. God will turn his face for I mean, we just got done, and I asked Jeff, I want you to sing that song from Numbers, The Blessing. I mean, Numbers 624, that's where it's from. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. This is all based, though, guys, on obedience. I mean, we can't just use that. Say, God will bless me no matter what I do, no matter where I go, no matter what I say, no matter how I act. He's going to bless me because it says that there in Numbers that he will bless me. Keep reading. <laughs> because if you choose to not obey, if you choose to walk away, if you choose to live away, 
God's not going to bless that. I mean, in our minds, we think, well, because, and we, we push that so hard many times. The face of the Lord will turn away. That symbol of his smile, his approval, his sense of presence. God has a reason. There's a reason and a purpose of why he would turn his face away. from us. Now hang with me here if you go, oh, I believe in Jesus and the way you turn his face away. Just hold on, okay? At least to the end. Then you can type me at Tim at horizonweb.org and say I suck, okay? Or just say, because I just said I suck. Why did you say that? Because this is one of those subjects people don't want to talk about. We went... I want to feel good when I leave. And I hope you feel good when you leave. I hope you have tools. And this might not be for you at all. You might, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm right where God wants me. Fantastic. But I cannot not talk about this. Isaiah tells us one reason why God would turn his face away from us. Surely, it says in Isaiah 59, 1 through 3, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities, that's another word for sin, has separated you from me. Your sin has hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Does that mean God's deaf? Or is it like a spouse when this one spouse is talking to the other one, yeah, they're hearing, but they don't respond. And the other spouse, I'm not going to say male or female, wife or husband, you can fill in the blank. Are you listening to me? Well, his eardrums were moving, sound was hitting them. And I bet you he heard what you said, but you're just not responding. You heard it. It's not that God can't hear, he's just not going to respond. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt. Your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue mutters wicked things. I, when I planned this series and choosing passages, I came across a passage out of Ezekiel chapter 8. And it was a fascinating passage. I know I've read it before. I just hadn't seen it in this context. Because you have Ezekiel. He is sitting by a riverside in Babylon. So he's some of the Jews that were brought from Jerusalem to Babylon, and he's sitting there. God has anointed him as a prophet, and it says in Ezekiel 8 that he has ta he's talking, God grabbed me by the scruff of my hair and took me back to Jerusalem, which, I don't know, God, that was pretty violent by the scruff of your hair. It wasn't like he cradled me in his arms and took, no, it was just grabbed him, took him to Jerusalem, and this is what he saw. He, he saw detestable things. He saw the idol of jealousy sitting in the temple. Ezekiel 8, 8 through 11 says this. He said to me, son of man, now dig into a wall because he saw a hole in the wall. And God pointed, so dig, dig in that hole. Start tearing that from that hole. And now he's in the temple itself, the holy temple, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the sacrifices were made. Dig through that hole. And so I dug, it says, into the wall, and I saw a doorway there. And he said to me, go and see the wicked and detestable things they are doing there. 
So I went and looked and I saw portrayed on over the walls all kinds of crawling things and this detestable animals and all the idols of the house of Israel. And in front of them stood 70 elders of the house of Israel. And they were standing there and it says, each of them had a censer. <clears throat> I'm going to move this mic. Each of them had a censer in his hands and a fragrant cloud of incense was rising. They were using the actual emblems, implements that God would required Israel to use the incense and the smoke that would rise and the smell. All of a sudden, they were doing what looked like I've commanded them to do before me, but they were doing this before idols. The thing is, it's written on the walls that if, I guarantee you that if he was to go there literally and tear through, they wouldn't be written on the walls. But see, the things we do in secret are evident. Verse 12 says, and he said to me, son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the darkness? Each at the shrine of his own idol. And they say, the Lord does not see us. Do we get to a place where we truly believe the Lord has not seen us? We, we get to the place where we've done things and we haven't repented. And I'm talking about, guys, I'm talking about those things that we're holding on to and we're not getting help. We're not repenting. We're holding on to. And the more we hold on to it, and we haven't seen God strike us dead. I still got a job. I still have wives, the kids. I, 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 everything's see. Everything's okay. Jeremiah says... Can anyone hide in the secret places so that I cannot see him? Obvious answer is no. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and lay bare before the eyes of him to whom, what? We must give account. He's recording it all. And then in verse 17 of Ezekiel chapter 8, he says, And he said to me, Have you seen this, son of man? Is it a trivial matter for the house of Judah to do the detestable things they are doing here? Is it a trivial thing? Is it just no big deal? That's ah, not, not that big a deal. The Lord don't care about that stuff. Just a little thing. Jeremiah put it this way. <clears throat> Are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No. They have no shame. They don't even blush anymore. We get to a point, and I say we. Um, I mean, we have to be careful because, yeah, this is Old Testament. I'm reading from right now. Well, that was for the Jews then. But at the same time, we'll pull Old Testament passages like the blessing and say, see, that's for us. Guys, it, it's all like this. One helps interpret the other. And verse 18 of Ezekiel 8 says, therefore I will deal with them in anger. I will not look on them with pity or spare them, although they shout in my ears, I will. God turns a deaf ear. 
because they're thinking that they're hiding in secret. But Tim, this is... That's for the Old Testament. We're under the New Testament. We're under, we're under grace, not law. We, we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. Exactly. And just like the people of Israel could turn, who worshiped God, all those 70 elders were picked at one time because they were worshiping God, but something happened, something turned, little choices along the way. That's why I wanted to show that video of sin. I mean, it is meant to go, Everything it said was true. How deceptive and how easy it twists and one look becomes two and on and on. God promises never to leave us or forsake us, but he will teach us, rebuke us, and discipline us because he loves us. The God who sees back in the Old Testament, the God who sees in the New Testament is the same God who sees us today. And there has to be, guys, an understanding. Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where it begins. I mean, one person I listened to, Prager, which he's a Jewish guy, but man, he's got some truths. And one of the things that says is there's no wisdom in the universities today. You're sending your kids to university. There's no wisdom because there's no fear of God at all. But Philippians 2.12 echoes Proverbs, Solomon there, when he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you always obeyed, now in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Again, we push so hard on this, Jesus is my friend, which he is. But we carry it to, he's my friend, and they're saying my friend. No matter what I do. I, guys, that's where we focus on one part of theology and we run it too far without taking everything else along with it that Jesus is a holy God. There's going to be judgment. There's going to be account. Everything we've done will be laid bare. And that's where discipline. Guys, when he disciplines us, when he rebukes us, when he teaches us, there's a point where if we choose to live in a lifestyle that he is saying, I, I can't even look at you when you're doing this. He's not forsaking you. He's not, you're in hell now, bum. Because I have the foundation of Christ. I truly do. And if someone's living such a lifestyle that they're, I, I hate God anyways, which I've, I've talked to many people that have just decided, no, I don't love God. So what is, was their conversion real in the first place? Hebrews 12 talks about discipline. He says in verse 5, And you have forgotten that the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and so that you will not lose heart when, when he rebukes you. Not if. Not maybe. When. Because that's what he does, because he loves us. And that's why he goes on to say, verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace in those who have been trained by it. I mean, let's just take our own children. 
if our children are in such a way that those who, maybe they're ignorant, they made an ignorant choice, they really don't understand, I'm going to react differently, I'm going to treat them differently, and then maybe if they, man, they, they screwed up, but man, they're sorry, and they're repentive, and they're trying to do the right thing, and I will act differently if the person just looks at me, my kids look at me, flip me off, and say, go, dad, you know where you can take that. What? I'm going to react differently in all three cases. I'm going to discipline differently in all three cases. Why? Because I love my kid. Let's not separate. Guys, Ananias and Sapphira decided to hold money back and lie to the Holy Spirit. And as an example, fear of the, fear of the Lord gripped the church because they both dropped dead. Let's not lose the example of Paul talking about communion and he's talking about some of you are doing this wrong, you're taking it the wrong way, you're abusing it. Some of you are sick and some of you have been killed earlier than it was attempted, supposed to be. God has a number up there, guys. God says, this is how long he's going to live. And unless you screw up so much, I'm going to take you home early. What? Yeah. I found this quote, which I, ignorance needs education and enlightenment. Slipping up needs discipline. Rebellion warrants punishment. And God will do all of those. Because why? He loves us. But he's always has compassion. And even in Old Testament, Isaiah 54, 7, 8. For a brief moment, I abandoned you. But with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I have compassion on you, says the Lord. Redeemer. When we choose, I mean, all sin is choice, guys. I mean, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, if you sin, you made a mental choice. That was the decision you made. And then I come to God and I say, Father, forgive me. I mean, that's that relationship. That is that back and forth seeking it. But if I choose to hide that, if I choose to bury it, if I choose, no one's going to know about it. God's face will turn away from me. His favor, his presence, his help in a time to discipline me. And that's the part, guys, that we need both. You know, he's my friend. But he's a holy God who hates sin in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Same hatred towards sin. So much so he sacrificed his son on the cross that we could go and bring forgiveness, be in right relationship with him. But sin, if I have a problem with you, if there's an issue between you and me, I've got an issue between me and God. i got to take care of that because I, that's what sin does. It's, it's all those things that video said. That's why we can come to God at any time and repent and bring forgiveness and he has compassion on us. But if I sit there and say, no, I'm going to keep doing this, he'll never find out. And some of you are like, how do you get to that point? Little bit by little bit by little bit. Little compromises along the way. As I was talking with a friend this week, back to the frog in the kettle. 
I mean, you guys know the story. I've said it enough times. You put a frog in a kettle of water with a Bunsen burner at a certain degree of heat where it heats up slowly. That frog will boil to death, even though it has every opportunity, has all the ability to jump out. It just keeps making compromises. It just keeps adapting to its surroundings. And believers in Jesus Christ here this morning understand we can just, you think compromise is just a little thing? It just keeps adding up. To the point where the things that used to bug me don't anymore. Much like Jeremiah, we don't even blush anymore. How did we get to that point? The sin will keep God's face from us until we repent, until we come back. Sin in the church will keep his favor against the church. I mean, his church, the gates of hell will not stand up against it. Yes, that's true. Nothing, the church will never die, but a ch- local church will. We read through Revelations when we did a Revelation series. Church of Ephesus, this is what you're doing great. This is what I have against you. Change or I'm going to take your lampstand from your midst. I'm going to take the power source from you. I don't know when it happened, but there ain't no church in Ephesus today. Matter of fact, all those churches that are in Revelation, they don't exist today. At some point in time, they made decisions along the way of compromise. A.W. Tozer says this, If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. That should make every church leader here, every elder, every pastor go, what? No one would know the difference? He goes on to say, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop. And everybody would know it. And the old adage, if the Holy Spirit decided not to show up today, would we even take notice? I mean, we walk in, I got greeted, got my coffee, got my donut, sing songs. I can get people who are far, far, far away from God to do all those things. I can get them a band up here that doesn't know Jesus and play those songs just like you just heard. But if the Spirit of God's not here, the church can make concessions. The church can make compromises along the way. And guys, you're seeing that in the church in America today. The church in America is very in danger to become like the church of Europe, non-existent. Oh, there's churches. But we see churches in America today making compromises all of a sudden things a priority that may be important, but be, they become so important that the gospel is set aside. We can't talk about sin because that will make people feel bad. We don't want you to feel bad because we want you happy because that's all God wants is we're happy and we're just going to accept everyone. We don't care what they're doing. We're just, and guys, we say that. We accept everyone. We're just not going to leave you there. But how easy it is for the church 
to stop being the bride of Christ, to stop being that. And I know several churches that have continued to compromise. <clears throat> and I don't know if God's fully taken his lampstand away, but all indicators it is. Oh, they talk about God, but they have a form of godliness, not righteousness and holiness. God can turn his face against the nation, sin of a nation. Again, back to Job 34, 29. But if he, if he remains silent, who can condemn him? But if he hides his face, who can see it? He is over man and nation alike. Can he hide his face from a nation? <laughs> How do you have a national day of prayer and not include God in it? What? And please don't, oh, he's getting political. I would say this, I don't care who is in power. How can we redefine what God has said and we say, no, we're going to create it in our own image rather than how God created things? How can we allow an eagle egg to have more rights than a baby in the womb? And you think God's going to shine his light upon this nation? That God won't turn his face away? I mean, we can make a difference. We can, we're standing up. We're going to say those things. But what was started on the principles it was slow it just keeps they just keep chipping away keep chipping away there's some people who are vocal about it we're not supposed to be political I'm not saying political I'm talking about biblical aspects of how we should live that is being undermined sin of a nation can turn God's face away not the first, nor will it be the last. So what do we do? What should we do when God hides his face? I'll just have a couple things. One, self-examination time. If you think God is hiding his face from you, not silent. Again, two different things. You need to dig down and see what's going on in your, in your soul. Lamentations 340. Let's examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Psalm 139, 23, 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful, any offensive way in me. That's digging down. Asking God to dig deep. And you've got to listen to what he has to say. Don't shake it off. When you're sitting there going, Lord, is there something? I mean... See if there be any hurtful way in me, which means I don't even know that hurtful way's in me. He's going to have to expose it to me. I mean, I got still stuff locked up in there he hasn't begun to dig into. Well, when I say search me, O oh God, and know my heart, try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's anything hurtful. Is there anything buried there that could bring damage to my faith, to my church, to my family, to my business? Am I stepping into things that I shouldn't? Am I making compromises along the way that I shouldn't? Ask God to dig deep and listen. Don't shake it off. That could be the devil talking to me. If God is trying to make you more righteous, I guarantee you it's not the devil talking to you. Promise you that. 
Become a fruit inspector of your own life. It's easier to become a fruit inspector of everybody else's life. How about yourself? Look at your own fruit. What's being produced? Read John 15 later. It's in your notes. 2 Peter 1.5 says this. For this very reason, what? Make every effort to add to your faith. To add to your faith, you have faith. I believed in Jesus Christ. That's the foundation that I have. We can only have one foundation in Christ. We can only put our faith in one thing, and that's in who Jesus Christ and who he is. But add to your faith goodness, and then to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Sounds like a list, a checklist that I need to be looking down. Okay, how my faith? How am I doing in the goodness aspect? Because if my goodness is so far, I'm not going to get to knowledge. And if I don't have knowledge, then self-control is going to be there. And then self-control perseveres to hold on to that. And the persevere and godliness. And the godliness, brotherly kindness. And it's interesting that love is the last time. Not the first. The last in the world. Verse 8 says, and if, you circle that word, if you possess these qualities, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if, because the scriptures are full of if then. If you do this, then I'll do this. If you do this, then I do this. And a lot of that... It's all through the Old Testament, but it's all through the New Testament. Look how many times Jesus said that. If you do this, then this will happen. Verse 9, but if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and blind. He's forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. If you're nearsighted and blind, it's going to be really hard to see where God, what God's doing. Make every effort. Well, I can't come to Christ by my works. This is talking about after you have faith. Read 1 Corinthians 13 where it says, your life is on display. Your foundation is Christ. It's all the same. And I'm going to keep coming. To, he's given us a preview of things to come. Your foundation is Christ, but you choose the building material. Wood, hay, straw, gold, silver, precious stones, and fire will test the quality of each man's work, and what is left will be rewarded. But it's that sad part, he says, but some, everything will be burned away. They'll have no proof that they were ever here as a follower of Jesus Christ other than I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it says they will be saved but as those ones who have escaped the flames of the fire. And Paul's telling us this picture. He says, guys, don't be that person. Don't be the person that lived a whole life and you just saw it all go up in flames. Nothing is left. I mean, you had a lot of hay. You had a lot of wood. You had a lot of straw. All gone. Make every effort. Because I, I love the fact that I have a God who wants to talk to me and communicate to me that wants to be my friend and who is my father. But I also have a God who's 
going to discipline me, who's going to rebuke me if I need rebuking, teach me when I need teaching. And when I choose to live a certain way, his face will be turned aside, where his presence, his help, his favor. I'm guaranteed heaven, at least that's how I read the scriptures, but I can get to the point where I'm just this way. And I might put myself in a place where God says, fine, I'm just going to have to take you off this earth earlier than I had anticipated. God promises to never leave us or forsake us. He promises to walk through the valleys, the shadow of death. But that's promising because he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He promises to teach me. He promises to rebuke me. He promises to discipline me because he loves me. And maybe, just maybe, I don't feel his favor. I don't feel his presence. Not because I'm walking through a time of silence. But I've got themes written on my walls that I have never confessed. I've been living a life that I want God to bless. I told a person this week, you want God to bless you, but you're not living any way in such a way that he wants to bless. Don't make a mockery of God. <laughs> bless me, bless me, but I'm not going to do anything or live any way that you want me to live. Really? If, you're, if you think you've gotten that from me, then you listen to the wrong sermon or because there have been plenty of people walk out of here. You know, Tim said this, that I could do this and this and this. Roll the tape. Show me where I said those things. But sometimes we just hear what we want to hear, right? Maybe someone of you that don't want to hear this. I put my faith in Christ and Christ alone because he's the only one who can save me. And he's called me to repent, to turn away from those things. And when I sin, not if I sin, when I sin, I have a father who I can go and confess my sins, according to 1 John 1, 9, and he will forgive those sins. But if I choose to live in disobedience, if I choose to live a lifestyle that I think no one else knows about, and that might be, but God does. How do you expect the blessings of God, the favor of God, the presence of God? God is calling you to come back to your first love, to repent, to turn those things over and turn back to that one that you fell in love with at first. Dig deep. God, you know me. Is there anything that I need to confess? Anything I'm holding on to? Anything that I don't even know about that's coming to make me aware of? This is around the corner. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me so that you can lead me in your everlasting way. I, I want us to just have a time of silence here. I don't know where you're at in your heart. Maybe you need to pray for me in my heart. Um, man, that was rough today. Um, or maybe you have some confessing to do. Don't leave here without doing that. Because God promises, 
If you're his kid, you he will teach, he will rebuke, he will discipline. Because he loves us. And it's only meant for a time. That's why discipline at the time doesn't feel good. But, you know, afterwards you're going, I deserve that. And I needed that. And I learned from that. So let's pray. I'm just going to just have some silence here. You do business with God with where you need to do business. And then I'll close this. Father, that might not have been enough time. But the good thing is we can talk to you anytime. I don't know if this message was just for someone listening, someone who was going to watch later. Um, But Father, I thank you that you are a God who loves and committed to us. So much so that you won't allow us to stay in a place that we shouldn't be. That's true love. May that be the God we serve. May that be the God we talk about. Father, we honor you today. We pray that your power would never leave this place. Your spirit would richly envelop every ministry that we have that we're not doing this on our own strength but yours we pray for this nation who seemingly daily is turning its back on you we pray for forgiveness Father and for ourselves Father we thank you for a God who forgives who strengthens who leads, who guides We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.